Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It is November 4th, 2022, and this is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC, uh, or you can email me, Jason at overthecap.com. Figured I'd try to sneak in a uh, Friday podcast this week. I was going to do one earlier in the week, but with the trade deadline uh, coming and actually being so, so, so busy, I uh, decided to, to hold off on that. Uh, we're a little behind on transactions right now. I'm uh, a couple days behind. Uh, I haven't really updated uh, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday's transactions, so I'll catch up on that. Uh, but I figured we would try to get a podcast in tonight, um, see how things go. Uh, no beer of the night tonight. We're doing the tea tonight. I don't know if uh, I was going to work out in the morning or not. So normally I don't. Normally I take Saturdays off. Uh, usually Friday I play basketball and then I'll, I'll do um, some type of leg workout. And so I'll take off and then I'll go back Sunday and I'll do a little bit more of a squat day or something. But uh, yeah, today I, I had a go from there. So uh, just it was a quick basketball game and I was awful and uh, just so terrible. And didn't even feel like I broke a sweat. Didn't feel like anything. And I didn't have time to work out afterwards. Um got to do some stuff with the family. So uh, didn't really get that in. So I kind of feel like I'm pretty fresh and I can just go and do whatever tomorrow. So I got to decide if uh, I want to do that. But I think that's the plan right now is to uh, sneak in and get that workout in rather than doing it Sunday morning. And maybe I'll take Sunday off this week and uh, just focus on whatever football stuff uh, in the afternoon, whatnot. So anyway, we'll start with the, uh, the trades this week. And you know, I mentioned this uh, during all that activity, and I know I mentioned this a couple times in the past, but if there was one thing I think that uh, VJ and I really got right in the book when we we um, wrote that and we, we were discussing about the, the impact of trades on the salary cap and different ways that you can kind of value trades in there. Uh, if I remember right, I think we used like a Trent Richardson. I think that was the example then. It's just different, different ways you could look at it. And... Um, you know, one of the things we mentioned in there that we really thought that the future of the NFL was going to be more trading, that maybe maybe it wouldn't reach the level of baseball, but that it would feature more trading and more in-season trades, and you just needed younger general managers and more flexible salary cap situations. And I, I think that's absolutely come true. Uh, I, I, I think that, um, you know, the last couple of years, we've seen so much more trade activity in the offseason and during the season, and it's becoming more and more a part of the NFL. Now, typically what happens every time you see a bunch of trades, and I'm pretty sure I saw this pop up, probably pro football talk, could have been Sports Illustrated, but it always comes out, well, they need to move the deadline back further and further. And I, I can understand why some people would think that. I actually think this is a pretty good time for it. Um, I think you need to give teams... You know, enough weeks with the players. I think this makes it work better uh, when it comes to salary cap stuff. And I think it's just, it's fair for both sides where you're talking about a half a season versus you know, bringing someone in for like the last couple weeks of the year, uh, which, you know, does happen from time to time. You'll see players released on waivers and they get claimed or something. But uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like this. I, I think this is good uh, where they have it now. You know, it used to be, I think, even earlier than this. But I, I think this is pretty good. You know, you you know where you are in the NFL for as weird as this season is in terms of really only having two teams that are like a dominant team and uh, a couple other teams who are pretty good. 
you know, it, it's a it's a pretty weak year overall. And so I think everybody right now is like right around 500. And you, you've only got a couple of teams that probably look at things and say that they should be sellers. Um, and only a handful of teams that maybe think they should be buyers. But I, I think the timing is good on this because nobody's really out of it. And I, I think that makes the the pricing of the trades probably a little bit more fair as well. So, you know, j- just a couple generalized thoughts because everybody goes nuts with these trades. Um, and my favorite is the, the bears. So <laughs> bear bears, Twitter was, uh, was great with me. So they, the bears trade Roquan Smith and, you know, a lot of people didn't like that move, but yeah, I put out there, Hey, I think this is a great trade for the bears. A lot of people, the, the, a lot of bears fans, you know, the, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's really, he's got it going on. He's salary cap expert, uh, expert. You know, he, he knows, he knows. Then the Bears make trade, <laughs> trade for Chase Claypool the next day. I go, oh man, they overpaid by a lot for that guy. What do you know? <laughs> get, get back to doing your math. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, it, it's always fun um, with the, the way that we look at these things. You know, it's, it's like, You'll see these trades and people be like, well, how valuable really is a number two? You have no idea what that player is going to be or how valuable is a number three or how valuable is a number four. And it's like, you know, we're, we're getting a, a proven talent like th- this guy is a superstar. And what were we going to get with that later pick anyway? Now, come draft day and your general manager is picking in the second round or third round, when he picks that player, you're you're all praising it that he found the hidden gem in the draft. <laughs> so I don't know which it is. There's no players that exist there or your GM is incredible and he always finds that hidden gem. So it, it, it changes based on the time of year. But, you know, w- when you evaluate these trades, there, there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of different components to it. And really w- what you have to do is you have to evaluate them uh, from a financial perspective and look at what they do for your team building. And, you know, I, I personally think that Miami is a great example of this as for options that you would have. So Miami goes and they make a trade for Bradley Chubb. They give a first round pick to a player who was possibly going to be franchise tag, possibly would have been a free agent next year. And they have to turn around and give him a contract extension. The contract extension is worth $22 million a year. Uh, the effective value is probably a little bit lower than that. There's a little bit of a balloon payment in that final year, but $22 million, um, a year is about what you would, where you would put that. So, you know, when, when you're factoring in, you know, what does Miami give up here? You know, what, what's the, the real effective cost of Bradley Chubb for them? So essentially the, the cost that you're looking at here, it's the $22 million over five years, and he's probably not going to actually be there for five years, but let, let's call it that. Plus, they owed him another $7 million. So, you know, that's 117 for, we'll call it five and a half years. So we'll call their cost for him 21.3, I guess. Uh, 21300000 So that that's the, the cost for him. Now, what did you give up to get that? You know, you... you gave up quite a bit. So you, you give up a late first round pick and um, the late first round pick 
depends on what position that you draft and everything else. But, you know, the, the value that you would receive in return for that second round pick is probably something like a, uh, you know, $10 million a year player, give or take a little bit. Uh, it, it's probably an average of about eight, 10 if you, you go premium, I think is what I calculated. And, uh, about $13 million if you were to draft a pass rusher. The, I think I used the 25th pick when I did the numbers. But, you know, you, you can't guarantee you're going to draft a pass rusher. But you probably could guarantee that you're not going to bother taking, you know, running back, whatever else, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, you, you're giving up the $10 million player. And that $10 million player was only going to cost you, you know, $3 million bucks a year. So that really puts your all-in cost on Chubb somewhere around, you know, thirty million bucks. Um, you know, I, I think that's the that's the right way to say. Well, you know, what what's the value of that? And you know, you you, you can argue a lot of different ways for them. You know, I, I think there's there's a lot of logic to why Miami did the trade. Um, Miami doesn't have a long time left with Tua on the rookie deal. You basically have this year, next year, um, maybe the following year where he's, you know, you, you can manipulate the cap numbers, assume, assuming he's going to get an extension. Uh, now, he's represented by Lee Steinberg. Maybe somewhere in the back of the Dolphins' mind, they're, they're thinking they can do a Mahomes-ish style deal, um, maybe. But, uh, you know, you, that's one of those things you just wait and see. But... You know, I think from their perspective, they're probably looking at this and saying, if they draft a player, the drafted player probably is not going to hit for them until 2024. And by making this trade now, they get an opportunity with Chubb for this year where, you know, they're competing for a playoff spot. I don't think there's any guarantee they make the playoffs. I don't think there's any guarantee, though, that if they did make the playoffs, they couldn't win a couple games in there. Um, so I think they looked at it there and I think they looked at it for next year and said, you know, you're going to have these players here next year and this upgrades our pass rush. If he can stay healthy, um, you know, that, that should help us in some of these games, you know, they, they, they probably think the key to beating the Buffalo bills is to just be able to put a beating on Josh Allen and, um, you know, I, I think they figured that the this was the the best way to do that, and that the return for them in the short term was going to outweigh the loss in the long term in terms of salary cap space and uh, you know draft capital and all that stuff. So I can kind of understand it, but if he were to get hurt and Miami falls out of like playoff contention and you know, that pick goes higher and higher, you know, that then that trade is like a, it becomes a really bad one because I, I don't think anyone was going to give up a number one for Chubb. And I don't, e I don't even know if Denver would have tagged him next year. I mean, I, I guess they would have, and they, they would have done it and they would have looked to trade him and they probably would have gotten like a two, you know, for him. I, I think that was what a lot of those guys went for a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, I, I can understand the logic I guess, but uh, it is a lot for them to uh, for them to give up, you know. And they're they're an interesting team, I think, to watch. Uh, 
you know, as you you move forward with them, because like I said, that that Tua contract gives them something for a couple of years here that they they can kind of work around, and then they're going to get into this phase where you know Tyreek Hill's going to go and he's going to be replaced by Waddle on the cap at least. Um, you know, Chubb is probably going to go probably around the same time, and you're going to have to find a person to replace him. And one of the things is and this is kind of probably what you're seeing a little bit with the Rams right now, you're not going to have those players to cycle in through the draft because of a lot of these trades that you've made. So you, you are really kind of going, you know, you're going all in on this year and next year, I think. And then you're just kind of going with the, the attitude of let the chips fall where they may, and we'll see what happens in the future. So that that was Miami's trade. Um, that was an interesting one. Uh, the Bears, I, I didn't understand that from the Ravens' perspective. Um, I don't think there's any guarantee that the Ravens are going to uh, re-sign Roquan Smith either. Uh, Roquan Smith was looking for a lot of money. You know, he's looking to be over 20 a year. He represents himself. The Ravens are already in that situation with Lamar Jackson. The franchise tag is going to be tied up in Lamar Jackson. So... I think they, they're just hoping that this shores up their defense in some way, shape, or form. I don't really know what they're thinking. It's a lot to give up for a player. Now, I'm sure that they're looking at this and saying, okay, we'll get a number three pick for him um, You know, if he leaves in free agency. But I don't even know if there's a guarantee on that. You know, they, they, There's usually one kind of crazy team a year that goes nuts for linebackers. But, um, you know, it, it's not... It's not a given, you know. That that's going to happen. You know, yeah, the Jets with C.J. Mosley. Um, you've had a, you've had a couple guys. Um, Jaguars. They signed someone last year, I think, for fifteen. So, you know, I but I w- I actually wouldn't count on a third. I'd probably count on a fourth, and hope for a third. Uh, would be the compensatory uh, process there. But remember, you're delaying that a year. So I don't know. I, I didn't really like that trade for the Ravens. I like that trade a lot for the Bears. Then I didn't like trade number two for the Bears, which is them bringing in Chase Claypool and giving up a second round pick for someone who's really like a number two receiver. Um, you know, I, I maybe maybe he can thrive in uh, in Chicago, and you, you're going to see. If I'm Chicago, I I'm holding off on an extension. You know, I'm not doing what Miami just did. Uh, I'm gonna watch this unfold and see how things go, um, you know, before I go crazy, because he, he's probably going to get $20 million a year, uh, I would guess, is what he's going to be looking for. Now, I'm sure the Bears looked at it as a flip of Roquan Smith for Chase Claypool, and, you know, there, there was just a, you had to do them as two individual moves, and uh, I, I think that was what they looked at this at as. I think it was just like, well, you know, we're, we're flipping one for the other, and, um, you know, he, he's got the cheap time left on there. And, you know, we, we could have tried to extend Smith and we would have been paying a linebacker over 20 a year. Or we could bring in a wide receiver who we think is better than the, the players who are going to be available in free agency next year. It's a very weak group of wide receivers. Um, like Jacoby Myers, I think, you know, that, that that's like the names of the guys. Um, yeah, I'm sure there'd be a couple guys cut, you know, Michael Thomas, I'll talk about Thomas in a little bit. Um, but you know, a lot of these guys getting cut, you know, they're always hurt or they're old. So, you know, I, I don't know if you really want to be 
buying into those kind of players. You'd be looking to try to get a diamond in the rough the way that not even that's probably not the right phrase for it. Um, but, you know, the, the way the Cowboys cut or were going to cut Amari Cooper, like that's the kind of player that you'd want to look for. Um, you know, the, the Corey Davis isn't on that level, but that might be the type of player that would get released um, that maybe would hit into free agency. Uh, you know, would you rather sign him for 12 or 10 or something like that? I think that's a that's a fair argument. But, you know, you're, you're banking on that. So I, I think the Bears looked at this as gravy because they had the extra um, pick, you know, that they, they were going to be able to get from Smith. So even though this is their pick, which is probably going to be much higher, I, I think they just looked at this as a second as a second. I don't know if that's really the right way to look at it, but I think that's probably how they looked at it. And I think it was just like, 20 million to a receiver, 20 million to a linebacker makes more sense to kind of grin and bear it and do it with the receiver. Even if he's really not a number one and at 20 million a year, we're going to probably feel like he should be. Um, but I, I think that was the logic there. TJ Hawkinson goes from the Vi- uh, from the Lions to the Vikings. Um, I like that move uh, for both sides. I think that was a perfect example of a win-win trade. I thought they might have gotten a little bit more for Hawkinson, but I think you're basically at the deadline and you take what you can get at that point in time. It's not like he's been a a great player. Um, You know, he's one of those players who's good and has that potential to be better. You look at where the salaries have gone. Obviously, he's going to get paid a lot of money. So I, I think you look at this if you're Detroit and it's like our salary cap next year, if we keep golf, is not in a great position. Um, remember they have high draft picks, so you're going to eat up a lot of cost on draft picks. You're going to eat up a lot of cost on filling out your roster. So it, it's not like the, they're going to be in this great position with the cap, the way the bears are, you know, the bears have money to just blow. They can afford to blow 20 million on a, a risky receiver because they are going to have like $120 million in, well, we're going to have $120 million in cap room. So they, they can afford to to kind of take those risks. Detroit's cap situation is not like that right now. So Detroit still has work to do, um, you know, with their cap, I believe, for the future. And having him under contract next year for $10 million, give or take a little bit, whatever that fifth-year option was, and probably not extending him or having to extend him for like $17 million a year, $15 million a year, that that's not really helping them build a winning team. Uh, Minnesota on the other hand, is one of those teams in the middle of one of those miracle seasons. You know, they, they are 6-1, uh, and one, I think, right now. Um, they are pl- Their record is way above, I think, the level that they're actually playing. You know, I, I and you, you could say this for a lot of teams. Certainly could say it about the Jets. Certainly can say it about the Giants. Um, you know, the, the, there are teams where the ball kind of bounces your way in a given year. And I think that's what's going on with Minnesota. So you're sitting there six and one, you take a shot, you know, th- this upgrade your talent, you're fitting them in where you've got the great receiver in Justin Jefferson. And maybe that opens up things more for him. And, you know, you, you can see more potential, um, out of him there. Uh, let's see. What else did we have? We had William Jackson going to Pittsburgh. That's not really a big deal. Um, he takes out his per game bonuses. I don't really know why he did that. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I didn't really get that. 
I, I don't think he really needed to facilitate a trade. I, I believe, um, you know, if they don't agree to that, it sounds like they were going to release him anyway. And I think he would have been able to double dip at that point because his termination pay uh, should cover his entire remaining salary, which I think was two seven or two eight um, for this year. And even if he signed with another team where that offsets the guarantee, well, the, the termination pay just kicks in on top of that. So I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not sure why he did that. Um, I guess maybe I'd have to work through the numbers a little more. Uh, may, maybe there was some logic to it. Um, but, you know, eh, they, they didn't really give up much for it. It was basically just a a flip of some picks a couple years from now. Uh, Washington was just looking to move move on from them. Just an awful contract. That there was a bad signing when they made it, and you know just never fit in. Um, never fit in. It was just a bad marriage, and that's the kind of stuff that happens there. Uh, Buffalo brings back Dean Marlowe. That's a nothing thing. Uh, Calvin Ridley goes to Jacksonville. That was a very odd trade to me. Um, so. You know, it, it's some late picks, but I mean, Calvin Ridley hasn't played football in quite some time now. He played a couple of games in 21. He's banned from playing this year. Uh, ridiculous, but, you know, he's banned from playing this year. And maybe he gets reinstated next year. Maybe he doesn't. I would imagine that he would. Um his fifth-year option salary should kick in, so it's around eleven million bucks. You know, it's about what you would pay for a one-year flyer, I guess, on a player. Um, you know, coming off an injury, if you wanted to look at it that way. Um, but I don't know. I, I just thought that it was kind of odd because I, you knew Atlanta was going to move on. I don't know what kind of market would have existed for him next year. I, I'm not sure. I mean, they don't they don't give up a lot. It's just. It's just a weird move. Like, I, I, I just thought it was just a strange move. Maybe it pays off for him. Um, you know, I, I guess it's a, a low risk. Even though I believe if he stays suspended, they still give up one of their picks. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a weird one. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, all right, hopefully I can splice this together. Something, something kicked out on me there. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Um, something kicked out, so I'll try to splice this together and hopefully it comes out okay. But uh, I was talking about Ridley and um, I don't know, it, it just reminds me of like, it's a different situation, but kind of reminds me of like how a Josh Gordon has kind of been away and, um, you know, came back and you, you always expected a lot and just never was the same. And I, I kind of think that's, that's what that'll be. Uh, Jets trade Jacob Martin to Denver. That's a nice little trade for Denver. Um, they don't really give up much anything for him. Uh, Martin's a decent player. He wasn't going to be in the Jets rotation. That was a whiff for them in free agency. They they signed him. They they prepaid most of his contract. Uh, Jets will save a couple of bucks next year. Uh, Kansas City they make a trade. Yeah, you know they're they're all nothing deals. Indianapolis trades Hines to Buffalo. Um, Hines wasn't a great. I think extension for them. I, I think that was kind of a, a miss. I think that's probably a good move for Buffalo. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think Indianapolis is, man, I don't know. I, I could see Indy having to go through some big changes next year. Um, I, I don't know who's pulling the strings there right now when it comes to the quarterback stuff. I don't know if this is them doing it. Um, this may be a, a team that's going to go through some changes. 
Uh, then, of course, you had the teams that didn't make moves, and people are criticizing the Packers, people are criticizing the Chiefs, um, Tampa Bay. You just got to think logically about some of this stuff. So, first of all, for the Packers, the, the Packers' cap situation is completely screwed. All right, they, they are completely screwed with their salary cap. It's it's a mess right now. They got bullied and pushed around by Aaron Rodgers. They had a plan. They moved off a plan. Then they, they quadrupled down on Rodgers, who looks like he's just disinterested and done. Um, you're saying, well, he needs a receiver. And you, you wanted to give up your second round pick and then figure out a way to pay $20 million for Chase Claypool. I mean, come on. Like, how, how does that make any sense? Is Chase Claypool really going to turn your season around? I, I get it. it. You're staring there and you're watching a, a receiving core of Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard and a couple of young guys and Robert Tunyon. And that whole team is lost. All right. They had this little window and more than a little window. The window was the last two years. All right. They didn't get there. They didn't get over the hump. Devontae Adams left the team. Whether he could have gotten the same deal, didn't get the, whatever it was, he left the team. And there was going to be a disaster if they tried to fit him in. But they ended up keeping a whole bunch of other guys and they probably shouldn't have. You know, they 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 probably should have been looking to to redo some things. But they didn't. And... You know, you, you just look at what this team was a couple of years ago when they drafted Love and they thought Rodgers was done and they set the wheels in motion for what they thought was basically going to be the next um, the next wave of players, right? So you're going to go with Love. Uh, you were going to go, you, you extend your left tackle. You're like, okay, even though it's a third contract or whatever for him, you know, this kind of makes sense because he'll protect our young quarterback. Uh, they drafted A.J. Dillon, I'm assuming, to replace Aaron Jones and, you know, give a running game for them to lean on. And, you know, you start picking and choosing kind of what you want to do. And you're like, all right, well, you know what? We'll stick with Aaron for one more year because he played out of his mind and we didn't expect that to happen. And... You know, then it's like, well, we're doing that. So now we're going to extend Aaron Jones because he didn't get any offers in free agency. So we'll just give him 11 a year. And, you know, then, then we'll we'll do this one with this player and this one. And it's just, you know, it, you have to be, well, while you have to be in the NFL willing to adjust, you also have to have big picture stuff that you look at and probably stick true to it. And they didn't do that at all. And I, I think it's come back to bite them badly right now. And, you know, th those players aren't going to make that that kind of a difference for you. Now, well, we want to make the playoffs. It's like you were on the, the cusp of being a Super Bowl team. Now you just want to be like the, the seventh seed in the playoffs and screw next year over for that? That doesn't make any sense. You know, that, that, those kind of trades don't make sense at all. Same thing with the Buccaneers. You know, the, the Buccaneers are an old football team. They're probably not well coached. Uh, they don't really, the, the offense isn't firing. Brady just looks like he's not in it. And, um, 
You know, the, the defense is letting them down now too. You're not going to improve via trade. It's not going to make that much of a difference. Same thing with the Chiefs. Chiefs have the second best team in the AFC, which means they have the second best team in the NFL. If they play the Bills 10 times, they will probably win four of those games. Maybe three, maybe four. There's not one player that you're going to add to that team that's going to make it easier for them to magically beat the Bills. It's just not. So you you keep, you know, you keep on your path and Kansas City's best thing right now, if you look at them as the powerhouse and you look at the Bills as a powerhouse, it's that Kansas City is set up better for the future than Buffalo probably is. Buffalo went into the kind of all-in territory this year. Now, I'm not saying that they they didn't go into like Rams mode, but they kind of have gone a little bit more all-in on this season than um, you know than I think you would have you would have said uh, than I would have expected. You know, you got the Von Miller signing, you got a couple other guys that they they did. They extended Diggs, which um, you know he's a terrific player now. I don't know how that extension is going to look in the future. So I, I think they probably are a team where there is that risk, if you're Buffalo, that your roster at some point might decline around Josh Allen, whereas the Chiefs are probably in the decline stage right now. They're, they're probably at their, maybe they're at their lowest point. Um so you kind of keep your resources so you can keep moving up while the other one moves down. You know, and when you're talking about adding multiple players, that's a lot different than adding a guy at the trade deadline. So, you know, I, I think that Kansas City, you know, that's the, you know, that's the right move for them. This is the right move for the present and the future. Um, you know, for however, however they plan on uh, setting themselves up. So, you know, that, that, that's just what I would look at, um, you know, with those trades and why some of those teams probably didn't do a trade and why I think you should probably be in favor of them not doing those trades, you know? So I, I think that's, uh, that, that's kind of the, the way that that should be. But, you know, it, it's always interesting to, to value these trades and how you can do them and, you know, there's different ways that you can put finances to them and what you gave up and what you're going to give uh, get back and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we'll do some stuff like that in the future, um, you know, where, where we can look um, a little bit more at those things and, you know, see how they play out. Um, let's see. Uh, Michael Thomas, done for the season again. So... His career is clearly done with the Saints. There, there's no reason for them to bring him back. Uh, he just can't stay healthy. Um, you know, you, you're talking about a guy who was one of the top two or three receivers for like a four, three or four year period, all the beginning of his career, and then body just gives out. You know, it's like an Odell Beckham kind of thing almost. Um, you know, it just it just fails you. And that's what's gone on, I think, with him. Uh, I don't know if this is end of career. It might be. I mean, a team will take a flyer on him. You know, Julio Jones got someone to sign him this year. 
So someone would take a flyer on him, but I, I think uh, I think more likely he's um, you know he's might just call it call it a day. You know, you you, you made your money, and uh, you know you kind of look at the the better quality of life. And you know, I, I had touched on this in the Saints article um, the other week, and I think I, I did the podcast on them as well. And all that stuff holds true. I mean, basically what you're going to do is you're going to go to him and you're going to say, listen, take your salary down to the minimum for next year and we're just going to June 1 you. Now, he is going to qualify for injury protection probably. And that's like $2 bucks. So, I mean, you would have to increase his P5 to 2, uh, 2.05, I think, for next year. Um, so that, that'll raise the numbers a little bit. But, you know, just a, just a mess of a contract. <coughs> you know, it's the... It's one of the bad things with the injuries. You can never, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen with them. And the injuries are the, the, the worst of all because you just end up getting no production from the player, um, you know, whatsoever. And that's basically what, it, what it's been for them. You know, they, they've paid him $60 million for 10 games. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's hindsight. But uh, when you, you look at these deals, um, you know, when you start looking at like, what are the worst active contracts in the NFL? I'm not sure if there's a worse contract than the Michael Thomas one. Doesn't mean it was the worst contract the day it was signed. That's a whole different talk. This is just a, in a results-based business. Uh, this one right now is one of the worst deals that that's out there. Um, so that they'll, they'll move on in the off season, but, I, I don't think even though you're, you're going to see all the stuff talk about them with the dead money at 25-3 or 25-2 or whatever it is, um, uh, 25-4, that they'll, they'll be able to split that. Uh, and it's just going to depend on what he decides to do, retirement, uh, or does he want to continue trying to play and he wants to be cut and... You know, they'll do that. My my assumption is you will see this contract modified before the end of this season. And, you know, you, you'll get some clarity on it. Um, you know, and they'll they'll make whatever changes they, uh, they have to make there. Um, last week, you know, the Jets laid an egg uh, against the Patriots. That's, you know, is, is what it is. Um, you get excited about it about the team for a little bit and then everything comes crashing down uh you know the jets made a big deal out of the game and maybe they made too big of a deal out of it because they didn't play their style of football at all um now i'm not i'm not saying the jets have this grand or great style but they uh you know they, they've they've played a certain way and whether the Brees hall injury was in their head whether they just had the Patriots in their head and all they wanted to do was have a statement game where they were going to blow them out. Um, the Jets basically played the game the way they were playing early in the year with Flacco, where they just abandoned the run completely. And, you know, when you have limitations at your quarterback position, sometimes you don't want to do that. Uh, I, I know the whole injury is big for them, but Carter's a capable back. They traded for James Robinson. They're both capable backs. That line is a decent run-blocking line, even with uh, Vera Tucker out. Um, 
you know, they, they can still play that way. They, you lose the biggest plays out of it. You know, the, the plays that are blocked really well that Hall was going to go for 35, Carter's probably going to go for 15. That's still pretty good. You know, you can still string some stuff together for that and, you know, play your game. But they didn't do that. I mean, they, they were not out of anything, and they just had Wilson dropping back, dropping back, dropping back, and he's terrible. You know, he's just not a functional player right now at all. You know, he he's still at a rookie level, if not worse. So I, I don't know how you have him doing that. He just doesn't function in an offense at all. It's like the only thing that he can function with is when you say, look, you snap the ball, you get the ball, you stand up, you throw the ball. You know, it's either going uh, horizontal or it's going, you know, five-yard slant. That that That's basically all he can do because anything else, the minute he feels like somebody breathing anywhere, he just takes off. And it's not like he takes off forward. He's just He just runs back. And back and back, and then he runs towards the sidelines, and then maybe the other sideline, and just completely lost. Once in a while, that style of play will work. It worked against Tennessee last year. You you can make that work once in a while. You will have one of those games where, yeah, you do break free. He keeps his head up when running, gets towards those sidelines, and he's got receivers that know how to run with him. You know, and that that's probably one of the ways they missed Davis in this last game. But when he's got his head down, it's just an adventure. And you know, you throwing and throwing and throwing, and uh, they did a weird thing too. They they moved Joe Flacco to third string. Uh, I don't know what that was about. Um, there, there are some incentives in his contract, but I, those are all kind of dependent on being a playoff quarterback. So I don't know, maybe they're, they're worried he'll hit some threshold. And if they make the playoffs, they, maybe they would make a turn to Flacco. It's just weird. I don't really know. Um, but you know, it was, uh, it was a strange decision by the jets to, to go from hiding your quarterback to just being like, well, we'll, we'll let him play. And he was, he was okay for the beginning of the game. You know, he actually played pretty decent. Um, but again, it was all the timing stuff and you had a couple of those broken plays that worked. Uh, you know, the numbers were inflated because, you know, you you had these little push passes and Wilson was running with them, Garrett Wilson, um, you know, running with them. But, you know, the, the jets just got out of their, out of their mind with the way they were playing. And the Patriots did too. Uh, Mac Jones was awful. Those quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Right now, Justin Fields looks like the only one that can play. You know, all these teams should be thinking quarterback next year if they're drafting high enough. That's how bad most of these guys have looked. You know, Lawrence is more like the, um, you know, makes a couple good throws, just makes a couple really bad decisions. I think when you see him, um, my guess is he's one of these guys that's going to stick around for a while. Probably have a couple of years where things click and it looks good. And then, you know, it goes back to being bad the next year. Maybe like a Stafford, um, you know, kind of career, that type of player. Uh, 
Wilson looks worse than Mark Sanchez. He's got a better arm. You know, he he can throw cooler looking passes. He he can do these different arm angle things. Um, you know, but it, right now, like the, I I never know anything about these guys in college. Uh, Wilson looks like a player who basically would watch highlight reels of cool stuff that guys did under pressure where it worked once in a blue moon and he would imitate that. And maybe in college that stuff works obviously in high school it does. And at a pro level, he's just lost. And, you know, you, you saw this in the times he threw these last couple games, pretty much every game he's been back, you know, second, third quarter against Pittsburgh, uh, pretty much all the other games, you know, it's just an adventure. And the other teams just didn't catch him or, you know, they were close enough to the sideline to where somebody would catch it and their toe would touch on the, you know, the sideline. But, I mean, you were watching it and you'd go, he's terrible. And in this game, it just became atrocious. So, you know, this week they're they're playing against Buffalo and you don't give them much of a chance. You know, it's a, it's a puncher's chance, I guess. But, uh... You know, you have to question now, what do you do in this game? You know, the, the, the way to win is to probably hope Zach Wilson has a crazy game. And, you know, you, you get those broken, crazy plays and they turn into scores and you can outscore Buffalo that way. Because I, I don't think you can play a game like you can beat New England 17-14 or something like that. I don't think you can beat Buffalo that way. But at the same time, you know, if I don't know what the odds would be of Wilson having that kind of game, 10%. And if you just let him go crazy, there's probably a 40 or 50% chance that he's just going to throw the game away. Now, you're probably going to lose anyway. So you'd say, ah, well, if he throws the game away, he throws the game away. But you've gotten now to the point where people are starting to realize just how bad he looks. And, you know, if he goes out there and he has an awful game, and even if you want to say, well, we were going to lose anyway, we were just trying to give it or give ourselves a chance, it's going to be rough on him, especially going into a bye week. So I don't know. I, I don't know what they end up doing. I don't know if they want to just protect him and you just try to lose gracefully, um, you know, and just take your chance that Buffalo has an off game and maybe you can really dial up your pass rush. Maybe your defense can make a... a play off an interception or something like that, um, you know, or do you run that risk of, you know, taking that 10% chance that you can hang with Buffalo? And he, even if you lose and Wilson has a good game, that's going to be looked at as a positive. But if they lose and he goes out there and he throws four interceptions and just looks awful, I don't know. I, I don't know what's the, uh, what's the best course of action for him, but you know, they, they were just completely, completely, completely um, outmaneuvered in that game against the Patriots. They uh, they just got into a style of game that did not suit them at all, and it didn't make sense for them to do it. Uh, until we were late in the fourth quarter, there was never a time where the Jets needed to just be like, well, just go for it, Zach. Um, you know... Never should have happened that way. Never, ever, 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 ever. So let's we'll see what they uh, what they do this week. 
Um, all right, let's take a look at questions we have here. Let's see, I think there was one that came in email here. Uh, can teams buy insurance on a contract? Absolutely, I've talked about that before. Um, so there are a couple of franchises that do it more often than others. You know, Houston. Uh, oh, that's something I should talk about. Um, do that after this. Uh, Houston, uh, Green Bay. Um, you know, th those are teams that traditionally do it. But a lot of a lot of uh, teams who sign players to big money contracts. Detroit's a team that does that. Uh, they they do take out insurance on it. Um, you know, they, they take out insurance against signing bonus, take out insurance on guaranteed salaries, uh, or at least a portion of them. So, uh, basically that's what happens. Second part of the question is if teams can, and they, uh, get payouts do those payouts impact the salary cap. And yes, they, they do. So what happens is if you get a repayment on a signing bonus, they will revalue the signing bonus as if the player got less money. So let, let's say it's a $20 million signing bonus and you got $5 million back. Um, they're now going to revisit it and they're going to value that signing bonus as only $15 million and it will be prorated that way. Um, so instead of 20 over five, it would be 15 over five. So that that's how they do that. If you get um, paragraph five salary back, you will get a credit the next year on the salary cap for salary that was refunded. So if a player has $3 million in salary, you miss the whole season, it happened to be insured, they get a $3 million payout. Um, that $3 million will be taken off, or will be added on to their cap the next year, it, their, their cap limit. So, you know, instead of a hundred or $220 million cap, they would then have 223 to spend. Uh, because they would have that payout from there, so that's a that's uh, a good question. It, it's a it's an interesting thing for teams to um, to do. Uh, I don't know if this is a podcast question, but this is uh, Quinn and Marlowe slated to play in eighteen regular season games. Both were traded from the teams that have yet to have their buy. Um, how does playing an extra game work with their contracts? Uh, basically, you're screwed. You you don't you get paid for uh, you you get paid for a bye week. You don't get a bye week, so you're just getting paid the same as everybody else. Now, if you do have incentives in your contract, uh, I don't believe either guy does. Um, you know, it gives you more of an opportunity to earn those incentives. You know, extra game to get sacks, extra game for playing time, extra. Um, interceptions, you know, whatever it is, you're getting more opportunity. Um, you know, your per game bonuses are typically capped off at 17. So in unless you have a weird contract where they're stated on a per game basis and they did not put a maximum number in there, that would be really rare. Um, you know, you, you basically lose out. So it's a loss for the player when, uh, when that happens. Uh, so on the Texans thing that I was going to mention, uh, weird, weird, weird situation. So Brandon Cooks uh, was apparently upset that he didn't get traded. Uh, other people claimed he was upset that he was just in trade talks. And I have no idea what the why he was upset with all this. Cooks agreed to a new contract to remain in Houston this year. Let me just pull up his numbers here. Let's see. Cooks. 
So Cooks originally was under contract this year for uh, $13.7 million. Okay? And then he was going to be free agent next season. <coughs> he agreed to an extension that would keep him with the Texans in 23 and 24. So it would basically uh, add in the, the years that they had kind of taken out, um, you know, prior to it. I, I think he was under contract originally to 23. Um, you know, he would get a raise of about $5 million for this year, a little bit less than five. And uh, he would get his salary next year of $18 million fully guaranteed. So I, I don't know what the problem was that he's not being traded from Houston. You know, it was an indication like they promised they would trade me and now they're telling me that my contract's not tradable. Like, I, I don't know where the breakdown was here. I don't know if Houston told him that they would trade him if the team was no good, uh, which they're not, <laughs> um, you know, and that somehow this was going to make him tradable because they had already paid his salary for this year. It's like you got to be realistic with it and look and say that, you know, th there's a lot of teams that are going to be concerned about that guarantee the next year. You know, so I, I, I don't know what the what the thought process was here. I don't, I don't get why he's upset. And the crazy thing about it, um, you know, I'm assuming he would have been traded if he waived that guarantee. But here's the thing. He's sitting out of practice, and it seems as if the Texans are giving him the okay to do that right now. There will come a point where the Texans are not going to give him the okay to do that. And when he doesn't have the okay to do it, and he still does it anyway, well, he loses that guarantee. That guarantee becomes void. So I, I I just don't understand anything with it right now. The Texans can't release him. So I don't know what the what the issue is there. If they release him, they have to pay him the $18 million guarantee. They can't do that on their cap. And even if he voids the guarantee, they can't release him because he might file a salary grievance. That grievance account on the cap. And that'd be a pretty big number. So I have no idea what what, what the thought is. I, I can't figure it out. It's the strangest, weirdest situation that I think I've ever seen. You know, it's like, why did you sign the contract? And maybe there was some thought, well, it was helping them with their salary cap. Could have helped them with their salary cap and they kept the contract as is. So I, I don't know. I I can't figure it out. I don't know who's in the right, who's in the wrong. Um, it's just weird. Uh, let's see here. We got um, Twitter questions. Let's take a look. Twitter. Let's go to the Elon Musk Twitter now. Apparently, if I want to keep my check mark, I need to uh, pay for it at some point. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to be paying for that. Uh, all right, PA Watchdog. Why do you suppose we are having so many injuries and low-scoring offenses in both the NFL and the NBA? <coughs> uh, is it possible that we'll be looking at player-owned leagues and will the NFL mandate all grass stadiums moving forward? Um, I'm not sure on the injuries. I, I, I don't know. I, I can never figure it out. 
you know, part of me thinks that there's not enough training that goes on in the off season. Um, but may, maybe today's athletes are overtrained, and maybe that makes you more susceptible for injuries as well. You know, guys are so big. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Um, low scoring offenses. The quarterbacks suck. I mean, it, it's it's really simple right now. You have a lot of teams with very poor quarterback play, and all your offenses are geared towards having good quarterback play. And, you know, when all these young quarterbacks do, I think that was the last podcast that I recorded maybe two weeks ago where I talked about the the quarterback play. These young quarterbacks all stink. Nobody is really breaking away and playing well. Um, you know, and the, the, the one issue is that while passing is certainly much more efficient than running the ball, um, these teams that have these really bad quarterbacks, you know, there's just going to be no consistency to the offenses. Eventually you will make enough plays and you'll score some points and probably more points than if you were to run the ball, um, you know, just be focusing on that. But, you know, you, you are um, just a lot of ugly drives, ugly football because there's no, there's just no consistency with the quarterbacks themselves. So I, I think that's really the reason why. Um, no, I don't think you'll see player-owned leagues. The, the amount of money that you need is just, it's way too much. Um, way too much. Uh, and will the NFL mandate all grass stadiums? And the answer to that is no. It's more upkeep to do those. Uh, visually as well, you know, look, it, it's a television sport. You, know, you you want something that plays well on TV and the turf fields that they have they pop on your television way more than the the grass fields do um you know and I I think when you when you factor in that the maintenance keeping them looking good I think the the NFL is not going to care about that at all for the players and I, I think the players realize that as well that this is just a uh you know, that it's not going to change, um, you know, with the types of fields they use. Jake, old news now, but could the Patriots have traded for Tom Brady? Because I know they should be able to sign him in the offseason if they wanted to go that route. Uh, Buccaneers never would have traded him away. <laughs> Why are you the way you are? Um, all right, let's see. Uh, where does the Rams offer Carolina two first for Brian Burns? Do they even have any picks left in their bag, let alone two first? Yeah, they were future picks. Um, so that's why Carolina probably turned it down. Um, uh, the, the, the picks would have been in 24 and 25, not in 23. Uh, NY contender. Is the NFL salary cap real? How can the Dolphins afford Chubb at that price? Yeah, the the salary cap. So th- this is what drives me crazy with it. Everybody sees, you know, certain teams, the Rams or whatever, make all these moves. And, you know, the Saints. And you go, you know, the salary cap isn't real. The salary cap isn't real in the short term. In the short term, anybody can do anything. Where the salary cap becomes real is in the long term. Because eventually it, it starts to, to hamstring your organization. You know, the Saints, 
Yes. Did the Saints make it work every year in the short term? Absolutely. Did the Saints constantly lose talent and free agency? Absolutely. Have the Saints gotten uh, slowly worse and worse and worse? Yes, they have. As the Saints, you know, as you look at the roster next year, what are you really looking at? You're probably looking at a complete teardown. Look at the Atlanta Falcons. You know, the Atlanta Falcons, yep, they signed everybody. They made it to a Super Bowl. What happened? They got progressively worse and worse and worse, and eventually the bottom falls out. Chicago Bears, they didn't make it all the way to that peak. Eventually the bottom falls out. The Rams, maybe you're starting to see that bottom fall out right now. The Packers, you're seeing the bottom fall out. So eventually it catches up with you. You know, once in a blue moon, there there are teams that are able to navigate it. You know, the, the Eagles have done a really good job of uh, being able to navigate some um, bad deals and some salary cap stuff. But the, uh, you know, these other teams haven't done that. So I think when you, you look at the cap and you, you look at what teams do, you have to look at these things in windows. You, you can't look at them one year at a time. Um, you know, you have to look at the long-term implications of it and, you know, see, okay, teams are doing this for this year. How many years is this going to impact them down the line? And it's like, okay, well, you've got a what you see is what you get roster. All right, that's fine. If the, if the roster is good, you know, that that's probably going to be good for two years. But what happens when the players all stink? Well, then you're the Jets, then you're the Lions, then you're the Jaguars. So... You know, the, uh, you know the, the, the salary cap is certainly real, and it impacts a lot of teams. Uh, what's my favorite color? Oh, that's Hunter Green. Um, how does the AFC East play out over the next two to five years? Four good teams, all at different stages of development, roster construction. Um, so I don't think you have four good teams right now in the AFC East. Uh, I think you have... One exceptional team. I think you have one decent team with potential. And then I think you've got two teams that are going to kind of struggle to find their way. Um, so the Bills, obviously, the excellent team. I think the Dolphins are probably short-term the good team. And I think the other two teams are just going to struggle a lot to find their way. Um, you know, you've got the, the coaching with Belichick um, that – you know, you're always going to fall back on. And, you know, really with the Jets, all, all you've got is the the hope of Zach Wilson um, that, you know, he can turn it around. Because, you know, the, the, the stuff that the Jets have been successful with are not things that are, like, long-term successful. Um, you know, their defense has been pretty good. You know, the secondary has been exceptional, and they're getting great play out of two corners. Uh, typically, that's not something that you count on. Um, now, I think Gardner is probably going to be great year over year. I don't think you're going to get the same level from Reed. Um, you know, when you, you're, you know, occasionally like guys like Carter have good games. I, I don't think that, you know, that'll be less and less um, that that happens. Um, you know, the, their pass rush has more or less worked, but, you know, I, I, I don't look at the Jets as like, man, this is a scary front. You know, I look at them as a, a good front, not a scary front. You know, the the big plays and the running, like that that stuff doesn't last. You know, everybody was compare, uh, comparing Hall to Jonathan Taylor. I mean, 
Jonathan Taylor's what, what what are they doing in Indianapolis right now? Yeah, Jets remind me a bit of Indianapolis with a they're they're like Indianapolis with a younger quarterback. Um you know, you you're like a five hundred ish kind of team and you know, I, I think probably struggling to, you know, be relevant. But I think they can make the playoffs this year if things kind of continue to break right for them. Uh, Patriots are old on one side of the ball. It's all based on the uh, the coaching. I think that quarterback is awful. You know, he's looked terrible. Um, he was every bit as bad as Zach Wilson. So, I mean, that that that's all you need to hear um, as to how that is. They, they were just coached better and more prepared for that game than the Jets were. Um, you know, and they, they were more opportunistic on defense this week. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it, if you look out to see how it plays out, you know, I, I think the Bills with Josh Allen, um, you know, Allen's so good. You know, I, I think that's that's going to be your team that probably wins the division every year. Uh, I think maybe the Dolphins could dial in one season and compete, you know, for it. Maybe that would be next year. Um, that's assuming Tua stays healthy. And, you know, that they, they continue to be able to, to push that ball with some of those uh, routes with the receivers. Um, and I think the other, the other two teams will just kind of be, you know, teams that fight for those last one or two wild card spots. And some years when the ball doesn't bounce your way are probably fighting for top 10 draft pick kind of stuff. Michael, um... He definitely doesn't need additional leverage, but does it, or uh, would it ever come up in negotiations for a player like Micah Parsons that his jersey reached number one in sales? Not really. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's going to come up when somebody is just valuable in general to a franchise. You know, he's a face of a franchise. He's he's your number one jersey seller. He's your you know the the favorite player of the kids who watch the watch the Cowboys or whatever it is. That's going to come up. But the the bottom line is always. You know that that that's a very very. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a very very limited uh, talking point um, when it comes up, and really, if it comes up at all, it's probably only coming up if you're having a probably a big disagreement on pricing, and you're you're just trying to make a business case for why you need him to stay with your team. And, you know, when players like this are that good, you shouldn't need that kind of additional uh, discussion. Uh, when should the Jets consider extending Quinton Williams and what do the numbers look like? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so if I were Williams, I'd want to strike right now. Um, I would want to have a deal done like end of November, uh, strike while the iron is hot. I, I think that would be the way that I would look at it. Um, you know, and, and you know, your, your target is probably going to be like 24, 25 a year. I think if I were him, that, that would be my target number. Um, you know, maybe it'd end up coming down a little bit, but I, I think that would be your target that you're, you're aiming for with him. The problem with Williams has always been consistency. And, um, you know, you, you, you used to see that a lot. 
he would have games where he was just invisible. And then he'd show up and make a couple big plays. And, you know, wasn't a lot that he really did, it seemed like, this past week. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would try to strike while it's hot because what I would be worried about is if I do go and I end up back and I go three weeks and people are like, where's Quinn Williams been? You know, that, that's going to impact me. And if for some reason the team fails to make the playoffs, that's going to impact me. So I, I, would, I think I would try to get that deal done now and see what I can get from the Jets. I think I, I would do that versus um, playing the long game. Uh, the the consist to me the consistency just is not there enough to do that. Uh, I think the Jets would be open to extending him. Uh, I I don't think that's going to be an issue, but um, you know I, I I would if I were him I would shoot for the moon, but I, I would do it now because I don't think he's going to have a better opportunity than he has, you know, right this very second. Matthew, do you think uh, we asked Corey Davis to take a uh, pay cut this offseason? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, the, the Jets' cap is not great next year. Um, he probably has a... Let me see what his number is. Let me see what he's going to earn. You know, Davis also struggles with injuries. So I I could see them doing it. Uh, because he he might not have a very robust free agent market next year, um, you know, especially if he keeps missing games. Davis is scheduled to earn ten five next year, which is already down. These last two years, he's made fourteen and thirteen. Um, but yeah, I I could see them maybe doing something like that because I I think right now the Jets do need him. Um, you know. Right now, I would say we've got a negative outlook on Elijah Moore. Uh, I think there is a very positive out, outlook on Garrett Wilson. Um, you can argue the pros and cons of Conklin, but I, I you know, he's he's been impactful somewhat in the passing game. Uzama is not. Uh, Berrios is probably gone. So you know, or even if he's not gone, I mean, he he's not really a factor in that. Uh, receiving role. So I think they would probably keep Davis. I, I think they'll look to do that. And I, I could see them doing something like that. Like, uh, you know, try to take a couple million off the salary with a uh, opportunity to earn it back. But I, I think they'll probably do that. Uh, Brian, if you haven't already spoken about it, what are the plausible outcomes we might see between the Texans and Brandon Cooks? Um, You know, would you like to go to the Jets game this weekend against Smith? No, unfortunately, we have some other stuff going on. So, uh, no, uh, would not be interested in the Jets' bills, but thank you. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the, uh, you know, the, the actual outcome to me, the, the only outcome is for him to show up and play next week. You know, if the Texans want to be spiteful, I mean, they'll, they'll void his guarantees next year and they'll just release him after the season. Um, but I, I would think that the, the this is a, okay, cooler heads will prevail. Like, he'll he'll be back at practice next Tuesday. Uh, I would think is the, uh, the most likely outcome. 
Uh, let's see. $25 million in cap space with the carryover. What are the chances the Eagles can uh, sign a majority of their free agents in 2023? Probably pretty good. They, they don't really have um, too much, uh, I think, that's out there. So I, I'd have to look at their, their thing. But I, I know the, the way their roster was constructed. It was, uh, they were one of the more complete rosters for next year um, in terms of who they have to keep. So I, I think they, they, they'll be fine. Ian, uh, can you further explain the allocation of how much each draft selection makes? Um, let's see here. Hold on one second. Uh, I know the higher your pick, the more you make, but is there a specific dollar amount at each pick, and does that reference only the base salary? Lastly, uh, what all can be negotiated in a rookie deal? So the rookie deals are slotted. So basically there's a formula that uh, we had figured out a while ago. Now they pretty much tell you the formula. Um you know, as to, to what it is. The formula to me is loosely based on the Jimmy Johnson draft value chart. Basically what they did is they determined uh, more or less on that chart uh, going back to, gosh, going back quite some time, um, you know, what the maximum cap number can be for a player in their first year. And from there, they, they've put a limit on the, the amount that you can give each player a raise. So... Basically, that that just slots your, um, you know, your your salary in there. Um, so yeah, each each pick um, basically has a specific dollar amount that's set aside for the pick. Now, the player can sign for less. Um, they can't really sign for more. Uh, there, there's really no way to to do that because there, there's a rookie pool that's in place as well, um, and you can't go over that pool, but you, you can sign for less. No, nobody since 2011, I believe is signed for less. 2011 was the first year of like Von Miller didn't max out his deal. Um, I don't remember if it was 2011 or 2012 it was probably, probably 2011, a couple of Vikings didn't max out their deals. But the reason for that, um, was because of, uh, the, the Vikings had, if I remember correctly, given a, big signing bonus to a undrafted player who was like a CFL player. And when the new CBA ended up being ratified, that worked against them because they had gone over the rookie pool allotment um, just, I believe, with the UDFA signing bonus. So in order to comply with the their limits that they could spend, I, I believe that's what it was for, um, they had to the, cut some salaries elsewhere I, I believe that's what it was for um but yeah so everybody is basically slotted in there uh you can negotiate things in those contracts like guarantees um you know payout dates on your bonuses uh roster bonuses um you know just little stuff like that you know what voids a guarantee um you know that that type of stuff you should be able to negotiate a no franchise tag provision. Nobody's ever done that. I, I always thought that would be interesting. Like, what if a first round pick agreed to take less than his slot as long as you gave a no franchise tag designation? I've always thought that would be interesting. But the problem is that the money right now for the rookies is so low comparatively um, to what it used to be. And it's so low compared to veteran players that I don't think the agents who represent the players 
see the benefit in getting into fights with the teams over stuff like that, which would be very difficult um, probably to win, at least until one team was to, to be able to do it. You know, you got to find a crazy team like the Browns or something like that that uh, maybe would do something along those lines. Um, so, you know, I, I think um, because that type of payout wouldn't be until four or five years down the line and, um, you know, maybe even six years down the line, and there's always a chance in that that time frame you might get replaced, your your main job is just get a deal done and, you know, hope that they make it to a second contract. Uh, David, what does a Quinn and Williams extension look like for the Jets? So I touched on that before. Uh, you know, that those are the numbers I'd be looking for if I was him. I don't know what the Jets would pay. That that's a that's a that's a fair question as to where do the Jets value him. Um but yeah, that that's where I would have him. Uh Colin, I think this is the last one. How's a potential sale of the commander's impact team building? Um I don't know. I, I'm I don't I don't really think it makes that much of a difference. Um you know, I mean, if you do end up with an owner who's very hands-on, you know, the the way Jerry Jones was with Dallas, still is with Dallas. But, you know, if you end up with one of those scenarios or, you know, maybe the way Snyder used to be with Washington, you know, that then you get the the owner who's looking to also be general manager, basically, and really kind of run the franchise. That changes a lot of stuff. Um, but if you just have somebody that's coming in and is like, well, I want to buy an NFL team, um, you know, that that's a that's a different um yeah, you know, that that that's a different thing completely. You know, I, I think at that point, you know, nothing really changes. You know, what what uh the only thing that would change at all in those scenarios would be if the ownership was cheap. And you would imagine people buying in are not also gonna cheap out when it comes to contracts, but you never know. Um but you know, if they don't give you a big budget to work with, uh, you know, that that could that could impact you, I guess. But, you know, I, I don't think it really makes a difference as to somebody looking, you know, someone like, well, I wouldn't go play for him, but I'll go play for Jeff Bezos or whomever. If they offer you the most money, you're going to go and play for that team. I think that's just the, uh, the way that it works out. Uh, why is Brian Erlacher not listed on the Bears historical spending page? Um, I'm going to guess I probably just don't have Erlacher in there. Let's see. Yeah, I don't have him in there. Um, maybe I'll add him. I'll, I'll reply to that on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, he predated a lot of the, uh, OTC stuff. So that's, uh, that's why. Um, so anyway... I think that should do it for me. So uh, we came in at hour and 15 minutes, um, you know, give or take a little bit. So we'll try to piece that thing together. Hopefully that'll work out. Uh, hopefully I'll be back next week and back in my regular recording. Yeah, there was no Nelly this week. Um, I, I got booted out for some Fortnite playing again. So uh, <laughs> back to upstairs recording. So we'll see how it turns out. So uh, everybody have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.